And now, folks, up next on the show, I'm delighted to have a lady who is the owner of OM History Consultant. She is a professional historian, folks, and she offers her services in research and provides assistance to individuals' historical search for answers and helps them with their projects and lots more. She also has published a book on the famine in Cork. She's currently publishing it again, and she is also involved in a project with the 9-11 Garden of Remembrance in Kinsale, in which the New York Fire Department are attending. Michelle O'Mahony, you're very welcome to Ireland Calls. Thank you very much, Tressa. Pleasure to be on with you. And hello from Ireland to all your listeners this morning. You're a cock woman, Michelle. Tell us, what part of cock are you from? I am from Dunmanway in West Cork, and more of your GAA fans will be delighted to know that I live in the hometown of Sam Maguire. I was born in Dunmanway, and as you know, the Sam Maguire Trophy is something everybody can identify with, but I'd like to say that we have the Sam Maguire heritage here in Dunmanway, so good morning from Dunmanway, from the hometown of Sam Maguire to everybody. Yes, and when I tell people Sam Maguire, especially the Kerry people... <laughs> I love you all. Don't forget, I love you all. That Sam Maguire was a cockman. They said, no, because he spent most time in Kerry. <laughs> oh, yes, yes, indeed he was. And if anybody is ever travelling to Ireland, please make your way to Dunmanway, where you can visit his grave and you can visit the Heritage Centre that has all the information about his life and the times of Sam Maguire. You're a historian. What prompted you to take this route in life? It's a long story. The quickest way to find it and identify how I became a historian is if you go to my blog on my website, OM History Consultant, there's a little section about the role of wallpaper. So the role of wallpaper is a story about when I was about eight or nine, I was in school and at that stage my grandmother lived with us and I came home from school one day and told my grandmother that I was asked to do some research about genealogy and my family tree. So I started questioning my grandmother. She gave me all the pieces of information that I needed and I pulled out a page in my copy book and started writing and quickly realised that as you do a family tree, it spreads out. So I asked Molly, what do I do? I'm running out of paper. So there was a pause and she disappeared for a while. And then she came back with an old roll of wallpaper. She unrolled it, obviously not the pattern side, and told me like a scroll to start writing. So I rolled it up the next day with all my documentation, put a ribbon on it and brought it into school and thought I was the bee's knees, the best, you know, child in the classroom. And then I kind of realized it looked a bit odd. People were going, what are you doing with the roll of wallpaper in school? (laughs) And then I showed the teacher and I unrolled it. And my grandmother had got me back as far as my great, great grandparents at the time. We had a few gaps. And um, I think that was the start of it. She lived through the troubles in the 1920s, so she gave me quite a lot of stories, uh, a lot of social history and her personal reflections, and I think that was the hook. And ever since then, I've been on a quest for research, and I've always wanted to make history accessible. So when I went to university, I studied English and history under the esteemed Professor Jolie. I went on and I did an education qualification so I could teach both English and history, And then subsequently, uh, when I was finished that, I did a four-year MPhil research master's under Jolie again. So in total, I spent about eight years with Professor Jolie 
some of your listeners may remember him from yeah. being a director of Luxman Ireland House. That's right. And I took some lectures for Professor Lee. I was his head tutor, um, and I just found him to be the most amazing mentor somebody could have. So that also reinforced the positivities about history for me. And going forward then, I suppose I diverged a little bit and went into law and the legal sphere for a little while. But at all times, my heart came back to history. So in 2005, I published my first book called Famine in Cork City, which was based on my thesis. And it delves into workhouse institutional life of what the Irish famine workhouse experience was like in Cork City. And at the moment, I am hoping to relaunch this book as a print on demand and an e-book. In recent months, through my website, I've had many people contact me looking for copies again. So I'm in negotiations presently with Mercier Press in Cork, and we're hoping that that will be accessible and available online maybe by the end of September. I'll keep you posted on that one. Definitely Um, do. Tell me about your website, OM History Consultant. Now, people are listening all over the world, and they want to reach you. Is that the best way to reach you? The best way to reach me is through my email address, which is linked through my website, so it's easy to remember. It's info at omhistoryconsultant.ie. And the website is all about unlocking the past. And there's quite a lot in the website for people who are interested in many facets of history. If you're interested in genealogy, if you're interested in looking up some of my past projects, if you're interested in house histories, if you're interested in Victorian histories, there's some lovely images from collections I've been involved in on the website. So for a rainy day in New York, if you have nothing better to do, please look at the website if you're interested in history. And I'm over here ready and available to help you unlock your past and do some research for you should the need arise. The OM, what is it? OM is basically my name. My name is Michelle O'Mahony. So the O is for O'Mahony. And that's why I put it in there. I wanted to keep my name, Michelle O'Mahony, separate from the business name. So I wanted to come up with something that was quite different. So um, when I was talking with my media consultant, they were saying, why don't we just use OM, your initials? And so my uh, motto is unlocking the past on my business cards. And on the website, you will see that the OM is in a magnifying glass, which signifies me trying to help people find out about their past and bring it all to light for them. My cousin was involved in mentoring me. And between us, we came up with this idea of, my logo and my name and the brand. Very catchy indeed. The Famine in Cork, your book, is there anything that stands out in that book that just stays with you? I know everything is very important in the book, but is there anything in particular that you didn't know? I think the experience of the children. There's a chapter about the health and the welfare of children when they were admitted to the workhouse. So it's very poignant, and there's a chapter about the orphans Um, children whose parents died during the famine and who as a result were put into workhouses. There's also questions around pregnant women who gave birth in the workhouse and how later on when those children were about a year and a half to two, how they were all segregated from their mother and their parents. And I've dug deep into that chapter through a statistical analysis of the registers at the time that were available in 2004, 2005. So I did a lot of statistical analysis in terms of when children enter the workhouse, they would always annotate whether they were a child who was an illegitimate, whether it was a child 
um, differentiation on their religious affiliations for their parents. Yes. Um, and then there was quite a lot of terminology on the registers that was not particularly nice. Um, references to them being sick. And it really kind of brought that whole famine experience to a whole new level. And then you would find amongst the registers um, maybe notes by the Board of Guardians about particular children who got sick or children who died. And I also discovered a poem, if you don't mind, I'll mention two or three lines of the poem. It was written anonymously okay. and it was about children. And it said, rattle my bones all over the stones. I'm a poor pauper that nobody owns. And I think that rings true, especially yeah. for the children and the orphans in the house, in the workhouse and the horrible conditions that they were afflicted by. And I suppose I have one interesting story about children of the workhouse that comes back to my own experience here in Germanway. In 1847, so one of the worst years of the famine, there was a little boy called Thomas in Dunmanway, and his father was the jailhouse keeper, and his mother was the daughter of the local Methodist minister. And Thomas's parents, the jailhouse keeper and his mother, yes. contracted the typhoid fever. They both died, and he was sent to Cork City as an orphan. And when he went to Cork City, he developed um, a passion for painting in the orphanage. And as a result, he was sent to Cork Design School, which would be the equivalent of the Crawford Art Gallery and Crawford School of Art and Design that we have today. From there, he immigrated to America and he settled in Philadelphia. And he became one of the foremost painters that you will see in the Philadelphia Museum of Art. His name is Thomas Havenden, and one of his paintings is called Breaking Home Ties. He also in America became very active in having a halfway house. After the abolition of slavery, he started helping people. And he was one of the first painters to paint some of the slaves and some of the court cases. And his book is amazing. And his name is Thomas Havenden. And he also comes from Dumanway. And he ties in with my book on the whole experience of wow. children and what happens when the Irish often travelled across the Atlantic. So there's the experience yeah. of children during the famine is something that's very, very dear to my heart. Well, I, I must say, you have backed my interest, and I'm sure many of my listeners, and your book, we can't wait for the republication <laughs> to be out. You definitely have. I can't wait to get a copy and read it. Oh, my goodness, there's so much we don't know, really, there isn't there? There's, so much. It's huge. It's, it's unbelievable. It really is. And the more you know, the more you realise you don't know. <laughs> well, exactly. And as a historian, the more I research, the more I want to go down the next rabbit hole, so to speak, yes. and find out more and more about the topics that I'm covering. Yes. And sometimes I can deviate, but it's always a pleasure to deviate as well, because you'll always find something even more interesting or something will pop up that you just didn't realise was out there. Yes, to keep you busy, keep you busy. Hard facts and honest facts and real facts, right? Exactly, <laughs> same definitely. In, same in media. <laughs> My husband, Tommy, uh, he's in media for years, as people know, and he always said, if you don't know it's true, you cannot say it or print it, exactly. forget about it. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I, I think my my book in particular, um, sometimes people say to me it's it's a little heavy because there's a lot of statistics in it, but the statistics are the proof. The statistics are what backs up my argument. It backs up the experience of these children when you realise how much food they were given. I even went to insofar as to figure out how many calories were in a portion of mashed potatoes or in the soup they were given in the workhouse. 
So it really gets down to the nitty-gritty of workhouse life. Before I let you go, I want to ask you, the fire department in New York City are coming to Kinsale for the 9-11 Garden of Remembrance commemoration. Tell us about that. Next Thursday, the 24th of August, early in the morning, the Emerald Society Pipes and Drums, that section of the New York Fire Department, I think it's their 61st anniversary since their inauguration, um, a group of both active and retired members with their spouses and partners and relatives are coming into Kinsale that morning to visit the Garden of Remembrance. Some of your listeners may not be aware that in Kinsale there is a 9-11 Garden of Remembrance and there is 343 trees in the garden. One tree dedicated with an individual brass plate with the name of each firefighter who died during that dreadful day on 9-11. And each firefighter has his own individual tree. So it is a living memorial and living testament to those people who lost their lives. Some of them would have a connection with County Cork. Others have no connection. But next week, they're coming in to honour their fallen colleagues. And I was asked to step in and raise the profile of their visit. Not to organise their visit for them. They had all that organised. But to make people aware, both here and abroad, that the garden does exist and how the owners set it up and what the owners would like to do going forward and how this probably is probably the largest memorial, really, I suppose, to 9-11. It's not just a sculpture in the ground or a, a list of names. It's a living memorial. And as you know, in Ireland, we love green. We love foliage. We love trees. The garden, it's going to be a lovely, momentous occasion, but highly emotive and very poignant next week. And I'm delighted to be able to raise the profile of both the garden and for the New York Fire Department and their trip over. They'll be given a civic welcome by one of the local councillors of the Bandon Kinsale County Council District. They will welcome them to the garden. I know the maintenance man there, Jerry, is hoping to read a very emotive poem that he discovered a number of years ago on 9-11. So it's going to be a lovely, lovely, emotional day of remembrance and reflection in the morning in Kinsale. And I'm delighted to have been a part of it. And is that in Kinsale Town itself? Just outside Kinsale Town, it's in Ring Finnan. If you want to go online, you'll find some information about Ring Finnan. And I suppose the firefighters themselves have indicated they'd like to raise the profile because not every tree has survived the winters that we get in Ireland with the wind and the storm. So some are doing better than others. Some are slightly more exposed. So I know the, the Murphy family themselves would like to redesign in a certain extent and enhance the garden and probably give more attention to individual trees that need it. And some of the brass plates have become rusty over time and they need to renew that. So there's a whole plan for rejuvenation of the garden as well and just to keep it up to date. And it's perfect as it is, but it's just to enhance it now with a little bit of interpretive signage as well. And I know the lads I was speaking to, Tom Conine in Pipes and Drums and other people recently, and they're hoping to try and raise the profile for the garden as well and maybe get some donations as well, just to help the family because it is in private hands of the Murphy family. The current owner, John Murphy, it was set up by his aunt Kathleen, who was a nurse in Lennox Hill, and she saw the suffering of what happened over there and she wanted to bring something back to Ireland to conceal where she was from. So that's how it all started. Michelle, tell me, um, what is on your agenda, your future agenda at the moment? My future agenda, the immediate agenda, as we were saying, is to 
get the fire department, the PR and the media exposure they need when they're in Kinsale. Moving from that, my personal one would be the relaunch of my book, Famine in Cork City, and its second edition. So that will hopefully take place in September. And moving on from that, the other pet project I have at the moment is the administration surrounding President Kennedy. So Larry O'Brien, Dave Powers, etc., etc., and the connections perhaps that these people had to County Cork. Yes. I've been digging, digging into Larry O'Brien. So Larry O'Brien was the chief strategist of the Kennedy administration. He later became postmaster general, and he also became the commissioner for the NBA. And under his tenure as commissioner, I think he brought in the contracts for the NBA. There's probably somebody out there who's going to correct me and say I've got some of it wrong. But we're very proud of him because his mother also was from the Manway. Oh. So I have, even though I would be a famine historian and a 19th century historian, because of the link to the Manway via Larry O'Brien, myself and another colleague were thinking about delving deeper into unlocking other people's connections to West Cork. So we're all familiar when President Kennedy was elected, he went down to Palm Beach and he was greeted at the entrance to a church by a Monsignor O'Manny. Not related to me, I've been asked this question, but no, he's not. Okay. But he was from the area around Skibbereen, which is only 14, 15 miles from where I am at the moment. And his family history is quite interesting as well. I've also noted that Governor Connolly in Dallas on that fateful day, I've heard on the grapevine that his ancestry goes back to pre-famine times when his family emigrated from around the Skibbereen area also. So there's quite a lot of connections to West Cork, to the Kennedy, what I call the Kennedy entourage. And we're digging into that and I'm hoping to put a pamphlet or a book, I'm not quite sure how much information we can gather, but some form of publication in the next two years with another person I'm going to co-edit it with who has an interest in the same area. And he's also a West Cork person. So um, we'll co-author a book yes, on that. Will it be the 60th anniversary of the visit of John F. Kennedy to Cork? It was the 60th anniversary there a yeah, few weeks yeah. ago of the anniversary. So I put together the blog on Larry O'Brien. I dug into his family tree and I discovered that his parents tend, as far as I can gather, tend to come from, his mother is from Domanway, and she was Julia Sweeney, and his father was O'Brien from the Kilbritton Bandon side. Right. Now, in some books it says it was Skibbereen, but if I'm correct, it looks like the birth of his parents and his father's people came from Kilbritton. They may have subsequently moved to Skibbereen. So I've been, I've been digging back, and I've also found his aunt, grave here in the local church and his grandparents grave is actually just a couple of hundred meters from where I'm talking to you at the moment so my curiosity is moving slightly from the famine into a hundred years hence into the uh, 1960s purely because of the Kennedy connections to County Cork and more particularly to the West Cork area in general Um, so that's one of my other pet projects overall for my clients I want to unlock the past So if anybody needs some information or research regarding West Cork or anything to do with history, if I can't help, I have the contacts to put people in touch with other people who can. My immediate concerns are the famine book, the publication on Kennedy, 
and to continue my blog and to help out the various heritage organisations here in West Cork and County Cork and working with the County Council on heritage projects also. You're a very busy lady. Was there any projects that you have been worked on, that you're working on or that you have worked on that really stands out in your mind and that you've learned so much from? I, I suppose there is one project that I, I began working on in 2013. In 2013, the Government of Ireland set up an initiative was called the Gatherings, where everybody and the great diaspora people were asked to come back to Ireland. It was almost like Ireland's cause, come back to Ireland. We want to show you where your ancestors came from. And at that point, I, I didn't have the business. And that's probably what started all of this in my mind to turning what I did voluntarily into a professional business. I was asked to come on board and organise a McCarthy clan gathering in West Cork. And that was in conjunction with some of my friends that I had in the university in the history department in UCC. And from that, two years later, I got a mystery email from a woman in Oregon telling me that the castle in Bermanway, which is Toher Castle, that she had memorabilia and letters relating to that castle. Now, in West Cork and Bermanway, I knew the castle, never knew who was there other than the McCarthy clan in general. And we never had any contact with a person who was directly related or relevant to that castle. So over the course of about a year exchanging emails, by 2017, she managed to donate the entire collection of her great-great-grandfather, who was Daniel McCarthy Gloss, to Ireland and to the Irish state. And that's in Cork Archives at the moment, um, being catalogued, because there's quite a lot of information. It was almost over 3,000 articles of letters, books, Goodness. All the men. And he was an antiquarian from England whose family would have fled during Cromwellian times. And they had a trade in coal up the Thames. And he's come back to Ireland to try and find out where his heritage came from. And I suppose at the time we were having the Gaelic Renaissance in the 1870s and the 1860s and the 1880s. And he used to stay in Cork City. He used to document the famine. He met Daniel O'Connell on numerous occasions. He was friends with Daniel O'Connell's private secretary, wow. O'Neill Daunt. And I suppose that whole area then, that then moved into another huge conference and another gathering in 2017. And I realised then that the American audience and American ancestry and people who had Irish heritage, that it was very, very important. And I put out a general call and as we know, social media has constantly been getting more and more traction over the years. But back then in 2017, UCC were getting calls about heritage and we linked up again and did another gathering. And we had quite a large gathering in 2017 around the homecoming of this collection from Oregon. Now, the collection of itself started in England where Daniel's children and his grandchildren kept the collection and kept adding all the family information he was a novelist. He wrote drafts of novels. They're all in the collection. We think he was a distant cousin to Dennis Florence McCarthy, the poet. Um, and I think Dennis Florence, some of his collection is in North Carolina and Chapel Hill University. And we, we started to realise there's quite a huge political and social history in this collection. So the event took place in 2017. And I was actually amazed by the amount of people who turned up with McCarthy Heritage from Florida, from North Carolina, from Oregon, all over America came to West Cork for this event. And it probably was better attended by people of American heritage and Irish-American heritage than we had at home. 
So I realised at that point that it was critical to get Irish heritage known and reinforced on both sides of our pond, so to speak. Yes. And that's one of the main things. And I also started getting calls about my book, as I said to you earlier, um, because not everything that we publish in Ireland gets across and not everything is known. Um, so I've decided that I'd like to link up and get what I do, you know, publicised over for the Irish American heritage. And I think it's working. And I think the McCarthy's then I've always seemed to be, people say to me, because I organise these gatherings, am I a McCarthy? And I'm at the stage where I'm going, no, I'm no Manny, but I think I might be an honorary McCarthy somewhere along the line. <laughs> um, and even on Wednesday of this week, as another offshoot of this whole gathering, the, the castle that I spoke about is in private ownership. And that castle in particular, I have a particular grow and love for. Because as runes go, it's a practically an intact rune. The four walls are perfect. The chimney stacks are there. So all it needs is a roof, windows and floors. And you have the bones of a medieval Irish castle. It's not falling down. So it just needs to be preserved. So in conjunction with the owners and other locals here, we're trying to kind of spearhead a rejuvenation to preserve that building. So we did uh, a number of feasibility studies on the last 12 to 18 months. We've been undertaking some archaeological investigations and getting heritage funding from Cork County Council and the Heritage Council of Ireland. And most recently then, on Wednesday, we were able to put a large interpretive panel at the castle documenting a timeline of 500 years of what life was like in this particular castle. Oh. And again, we put the call out to America. The Irish funding authorities gave us a certain proportion of funding. There was a shortfall and the McCarthy diaspora came to our aid. And not only did they come to our aid, they actually flew in from America to actually see the sign and be there because it meant so much to them because they knew their ancestors came from this particular area of West Cork. And this castle really would be almost like a sister castle to Blarney to a certain extent because going back 500 years, the residents of the Dunmanway McCarthy Castle and the Blarney Castle would have been, to all intents and purposes, cousins. Probably, so yes, yes. It's yes. of the same era. So it's fascinating the pull between Irish heritage and America. And I like to help that, help people out to explore and unlock their past for them and bring them back to where they came from. So yes. I, I like going out meeting people. Yes. And I like making history accessible. Uh, there's nothing worse than seeing a ruin in the Irish landscape and people not knowing. They know it's a castle, they don't know who lives there. It's not brought to life for them. And I love bringing history to life for people and just having just one information point with a little graphic and telling people who lived in there, but not just who, but how they lived. You know, what did they eat? What was their heritage? When were they there? And who came after them? So we've uh, 500 years of this Toher Castle in a beautiful panel now um, because it's obviously it's in private ownership because it's in a working farm as well in the middle of the field with some lovely cows grazing around it and there's some amazing pictures. And if anybody wants to see it, it's on my Facebook page. There's some images and they'll probably be uploaded shortly in the next few days to my website as well, hopefully. It's, it's fascinating. We could speak for hours, weeks, months. Remind our listening audience all over the world again how they can contact you, please. If you want to contact me, you can contact me on my Facebook page at OM History Consultant. I can be contacted there. I also can be contacted by phone. My phone number is on my website, and my website is omhistoryconsultant.ie, 
and my email details are all on the website. It's quite simple email. It's info at omhistoryconsultant.ie. Michelle, thank you very much for chatting with me on Ireland Calls. A pleasure. It's been a pleasure. It's been a real pleasure. We, we have to have you on again. We definitely have no, to have you on again. No, no bother at all. It's a, it's a pleasure talking to another Cork lady on the phone <laughs> over in New York. <laughs> Isn't it? <laughs> We're making history today. <laughs> us, us Cork girls have to stick together for the point of Irish history and Irish American history. Without a doubt. We have to spread the news. All right. <laughs> yes, the thank past you very and the present. Much. Thank you very much. Exactly. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.